and welcome to the Art of Score. This is our podcast. We're going to be covering injuries and some rookie hazards. Um, I am Ron Brown, together with my brother, Tim Brown. Hello there. And Mike Forty. Please visit us on our website, blog, artofscore.wordpress.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Art of Score, and on Facebook, find us, Art of Score. All right, fellas, draft time is here. And for this first segment, I really want to review injuries. And we have some major injuries, of course, some minor injuries, and how they affect their draft value. First, one of the biggest ones, Rob Gronkowski. What do you think? Tim, you're the Patriots fan. You should probably start with this. I would say uh, he's fine. I mean, he's he's had his back surgery. He's obviously got you know his arm surgeries also. Um, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, will he play week one? Probably not. I would say I'd give him probably week four. But if he's you popped, know. that's where the if, if he's popped, I mean that means at oh, least six he's weeks. Done, he's done for six weeks. Yeah. So, so in that case, then week six, you know, at least you get him for, you know, at least a little more than half the season. So, so I mean, he's still a dynamic player. I mean, there's no reason not to, you know, to stay away from him or anything like that. Obviously, if he's, you know, good value, definitely pick him up. So he's, I mean, obviously he's dropping rounds. down. I mean, and for where Forty and I have been, you know, talking, and he's around the fourth, fifth round. I mean, does it change if he is pupped versus if he's not going to come back till the fourth week? I mean, there's a couple games, maybe up to four games, depending on. How much does that affect his draft status? I don't think at all, truly. I think he's that much of a dynamic player where I don't think it will, you know, it might drop him a little bit, you know, from a maybe a uh, maybe a third round, you know, third rounder to maybe in the fourth, fifth. I mean, I don't really think it affects it that much. I mean, if he is out, but he is such a dynamic player and such a strong player that I honestly think if you pass him up, you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I think we've been seeing him, you know, according to like uh, a couple of the popular sites, you know, like Yahoo's uh, average draft position and CBS's average draft position. They currently have him going five, I guess, on the uh, in the, about the fifth round. And this is for 12 team leagues, obviously not for uh, 10 team leagues or 18 leagues, but in 12 team uh, standard size leagues. He's about a fifth round draft pick right now. Uh, end of the fourth, maybe like pick four ten. Uh, there are some fears about him getting popped uh, that's still in the in the arsenal. But I, I was encouraged by the report that I'm sure Tim saw that uh, they, they they kind of made it. It was kind of like a bad news report that ended up being good news where they said, oh, it's unlikely that, you know, there's reports coming out that he's unlikely to be re- ready for week one. And I thought to myself, I thought that was a given. So for that yeah. to even be discussed as like, oh, it doesn't you know, it's unrealistic for him to be ready for week one. Even to say that out loud makes me think that he was at one point pushing for that or they were pushing or for they that. have there's a possibility he's not pupped at this point, which I think I mean, for me, the difference between pupped and not is prob is significant to me. Cause I think it like Tim was saying, I think it's between if he's not getting pupped, I'm drafting him maybe three, four. And if he doesn't, it's five, six. If not later. If he is pupped, yeah. If not late, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, pup just means you can come back after week six. I mean, up to week, I think it's 11 or 12. So, I mean, and it's, I get, obviously it depends on his recovery and all that. But, I mean. But they've the been encouraging. Thing, it's yeah, been encouraging so far. It is It is dangerous. So, I think that's something just to be cognizant of. I don't think it's an absolute. But pay attention if he does get pupped. 
and pup stands for physically unable to play perform or play one of the two perform both perform. <laughs> doesn't matter for all practical purposes <laughs> both he's he's out for a while um next up one of the other major injuries which isn't really an injury and i don't think it's even an issue personally but um robert griffin the third some know him as rg3 and i think Ford should take this one bob B&B. griffin yeah uh, bob griffin is also one of his monikers uh yeah, I think this at this stage, it's kind of like uh, everybody that's even remotely connected with football at some point has an RG3 opinion, has a uh, a media exposure to him, and is probably sick of the whole story. And to be honest with you, that's it's kind of a good sign. I could have gotten RG3 if uh, my draft was held in August, probably in the seventh or eighth round. I think his average draft position is starting to climb now into the high fifth in a 12-team league, and that's fantastic value yeah that's that's about where you know you're gonna you're gonna put you're gonna put them only because the quarterbacks are so deep you'll you'll see more and more as you do your own prep work for your drafts how deep the quarterback class is and uh you know i'm a redskins fan i'm not going to say the pick is without risk uh but it is you want to talk about as we like to call high upside you can definitely wait on quarterbacks in this league and if you pick robert griffin up in the fifth round you might win your league because of it it doesn't look He's doing all the right things. It doesn't look like he's going to miss week one, so he might not miss any time even to begin the season now. Um, they're doing the right thing with him and not pushing him to play. And, uh, you know, like we said, like he's the team doctor for the Redskins is Dr. James Andrews. So the team doctor is the guy who's done his surgery. That's caused a little bit of controversy in the past with Andrews, I think, trying to cover his ass <laughs> on a few things. But who's going to be able to monitor his recovery better than the guy who did the surgery. So I, I agree. I mean, I, the, the fact that he's, you know, in, in the fifth, sixth round, maybe fourth round, depending on, you know, the value of quarterbacks and everything. And because there are so many quarterbacks, I think he does. I think it's a dual thing because there's so many quarterbacks, he's dropping a little. And because he's coming off injury, he's dropping a little, but to me, the injury is a non-factor. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I don't think I would still draft him just as if he was, if he wasn't injured, I would take that risk just because he's, he's a, you know, dynamic player. And yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's all a smoke screen. I really do. I think it's, a, it's just something for Edward to camp out, you know, RG three's house <laughs> and give you reports every 30 seconds. It's probably not too far from the anymore. Yeah. But I mean, you know, like we, 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 we've, I think we've said this before, but he was one of the highest point total quarterbacks for a good part of the season when healthy, if not the highest scoring quarterback. And, you just don't find those guys in the fifth round. So, I mean, you know, can you plan your whole draft strategy around drafting that guy? Probably. I don't know if it's, yeah, I, I don't mean, know if it's prudent, but I think well, the other you p- could target him in the, that range, fourth, fifth round. And and the other point that I would make about that is, is because quarterbacks are so deep, it almost helps you out because in other years where you would take a risk, maybe a quarterback and then have to maybe take your backup two or three rounds later in drafts like this, I've seen Andy Dalton, who's a great, uh, backup fantasy quarterback, I've seen him go, you know, in the 11th or 12th round. So that means if you draw, draft RG3 in the fifth round, you have seven rounds to fill other spots before you have to come back and take a quarterback who can step in for maybe the week that he misses. You know, obviously, yeah. if any player goes down for multiple weeks, any starter on your team, you're going to be hurting. So to, but, but like uh, Tim and Ron have said, at this point, the injury from 2012 season is a non-factor if he gets hurt again yeah that's another problem but everybody gets hurt again so yeah i mean 
you can't if if you're worried about guys getting hurt in a league i mean don't play because guy your team's going to get hurt and if sometimes you know what lightning strikes a million times and your team's decimated and you just have a bad year and that's why you join multiple leagues so <laughs> there's yeah. always that chance to <laughs> redeem yourself um it's next, a great segue to foster by the way that everybody gets hurt yeah no kidding uh yeah arian foster um i mean unbelievably productive the past years really three, four, years, four, seasons, four years four years yeah i mean he's been ridiculous touchdowns yardage you know he's been pretty durable he's he was injured that one year a couple of years ago in ben tate's second year in the league and but overall he's been dur- he's been durable he does get nicked up he's nicked up now he has a back calf thing which worries me back always worries me a little bit personally and especially when they throw spasms. Like Nerd, yeah. That's, it's one of those things that there was another player a while back that had spasms and it kept him out. You know, he was on and off during the year. In fact, uh, Sebastian Vollmer for the Patriots, he was on and off, you know, with back spasms too. I mean, he's a lineman, but still, I mean, uh, that will keep you, you know, on and off the field and stuff like that. So that's something to bear, bear in mind, but I don't think it'll really change his draft position. I think he's, like you said, he's a stud player. He's done it time and time again. I don't think. Would you draft him uh, maybe a round later? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, really yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, I think we're that like you know, Foster really comes down to not sliding down rounds, but sliding down five picks. So it's you know, do you draft you know maybe McCoy, Spiller, Charles, Muscle Hamster? I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> Doug, Doug, Martin. Doug Martin. I mean, yeah, I guess it's how you value those guys versus. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Foster's we, production versus his injuries. Ron and I had a little bit of a, a pre-phone debate before this uh, podcast where, you know, I'm a Foster owner um, in a dynasty league. Uh, I've drafted him in several drafts before. People, you know, you can react one or two ways to this. Uh, I think if you're sitting in the middle of the first round and you're at pick five, you have to take Arian Foster if somehow he's still there only because when you line them up against these other guys like Jamal Charles, who is a candidate to be like the second person taken or CJ Spiller or, uh, you know, geez, or McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, if you, or even the muscle hamster, if you line them up against these guys, Foster's TDs balance out a lot of the times that he misses or his, you know, his yards. I've seen all these stories, his yards per carrier down this, you know, tr- they're trending down. He had a lot of carries last year. He's coming in banged up. Well, last season, he he came into the NFL banged up as well. Yep, absolutely. And he did miss like a game, a game and a half, uh, two games, somewhere in that vicinity. And he still is a touchdown machine. So if if you play in a PPR league and you're tempted to pass on Foster for a guy like LaShawn McCoy, what you have to understand is... If you're in a half a point PPR league or something like that, is is LaShawn going to catch enough passes to balance out the extra touchdowns that Foster would give you when you compare the fact that they're both, to me, equal health risks? <laughs> McCoy missed a lot of the year last year with a bad injury. Charles has missed time in his career with bad injuries, and Charles doesn't get touchdowns. So these things are all relative, but Foster sh- will slide just based on this news because people do not like the latest injuries that they hear about. I- I, I got one question for you guys. Would you take MJD or Foster first? That's what, without a doubt, Foster for me. Without a doubt. Yeah. God, that's that's kind of tough. I mean, the only reason I would go Foster first is, and this is depending on where you're drafting the first round, you might be able to get MGD swinging back around in the second round. Because I think some people are a little scared of MJD. So if I'm drafting maybe 1-6 in a 12-team league, I might be able to get... MJD coming back around. 
or someone equivalent like you know McFadden. I mean, let, let, let's not forget we were going to talk about M- uh, Morris Jones Drew uh, on this segment because he also is progressing from an, an injury in his career, which is also yeah, you know, not he's not a stranger to injuries either, <laughs> Morris Jones Drew. So, I yeah. mean, let, I mean, let's just talk about him all while we're yeah. talking about him. I mean, second, third round. I'm thinking right now. I mean, I I don't think his value's there, but I think that's. He's tracking end of second. I think he's one of the better, actually, bargains that you can... That in the first three rounds, yeah. Around. I mean, absolutely. absolutely. But, I mean, if it's... I mean, if he's sitting there and Steven Jackson's sitting there, I'm sorry, I'm taking Steven Jackson. I mean, really? even even at his age, I mean, he's going to be the dude that's going to get the goal line carries finally yeah. in Atlanta, and there's no one who's going to take it from him. I mean, unless you really... Mm. You know, unless he really gets hurt, and you know, Jason Snelling, you know. But Tim, you're but, you're down there in Jacksonville. The as far as you're concerned, the injury is a non his his recovery uh, from his injury is successful, correct? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any real uh, setbacks. I mean, he did sit out, uh, you know, some of the practices early in training camp and stuff like that. But he did play. Uh, I, w- I actually went to one of the scrimmages. You know, he 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 did a little bit. He looked pretty good. Um, the preseason game he got he's got a little action you know hopefully this you know third one will give you kind of a better understanding of, of where he's at health wise yeah um, but I, th- I do think that they're going to be obviously run heavy which kind of plays into his favor just because well, there's no one the, else there to be honest yeah I well mean, the offensive threats I mean they ha- yeah they have good uh, kind of a good receiving threats I think uh, the only problem is your quarterback is poo poo although you know Gabbert definitely helped himself but you know uh, MJD, I, I I do think that he'll be one of the better bargains. I don't think the injury is really going to cause him. I think he'll be one of those guys, like kind of like um, Chris Johnson was uh, coming into the uh, the last year, where his first couple of games they weren't all that good. Um, kind of right. I don't think they'll be. Yeah, I don't think they'll be right. as bad as Chris Johnson's was. I think maybe you know the first couple of games they'll get like sixty yards. He won't get like twenty five carries. I think that progressively they'll kind of uh, kind of sprinkle him in. And yeah, then, you know, I mean. And the one thing I think that's, you know, MJD does have going for him is there's not a lot behind him. I mean, it's Jordan Todman, it's it's Justin Forsett, and those guys, I mean, if either of those guys get 100 carries behind him combined, I'd be surprised. I mean, assuming he stays healthy for the season. So he will be the bell cow guy, which is nice and where you're drafting him is, but... You got to think of it, too. He's good. They're going to stack eight in the box because you don't have... Yeah, no, much. I know, and you're going to get that, but I mean... Although he's proved time and time again without a passing attack that he can still he can still be extremely you know uh, productive. He's a productive player yeah and he, gets, I mean, and he gets you know goal line carries too which also helps yeah so all right because they don't have they don't have Greg Jones anymore for the you know he used to steal yeah he used to be like a little bit of a touchdown vulture I mean he was the main MJD was the main guy to get the touchdown so okay yeah I, and, and you know. I mean, you're not sure exactly what they're going to do on offense either. I mean, maybe he catches some more passes. Maybe I, I just, you know, overall, he's probably going to get 250 carries. He'll probably get see to me receptions. To me, he's a very. Uh, this is weird to say because for a while I, I was like, to me, he's he's a very boring player actually right now. Um, but just because I anticipate his TD totals to be terrible. Uh, you know, and maybe that's not true. Maybe he gets oh, still, ten I, touchdowns. I think he gets ten. I don't year, think he hits ten. And I think the problem is that where he's going in drafts, you're going to have a very interesting decision to make between him and a top flight wide receiver, or between him and and maybe another RB two that's coming up. You know, so 
as long as he's over his injury history, that's really all we need to know about right now. As long as he's healthy enough to go into another year, it's just that he is another year older, and we're gonna have to see if his production diminishes with the you know. I mean, he is fighting for his last contract, so that's a good sign. But I don't know. You always like that, then. Um, you know, you always like a guy trying to go for money. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> next, let's hit on a couple uh, receivers uh, up in New York, where we are in the New York metro area. We have Victor Cruz, who has a heel-type injury foot. They're not kind of being a little vague on what exactly it is. And his running mate, Hakeem Nix, who is immensely talented and perpetually injured. Um <laughs> I mean, I think I, think I, I think I, I covered this, and you should always go to our uh, blog, <laughs> artofscore.wordpress.com. Uh, I covered this in one of the preseason uh, game reviews for the Giants. It's just interesting to me that the story out of the game was that Victor Cruz got hurt out of preseason uh, week two. Um, seems to be a, a, it's trending towards a minor injury. He says he's going to be ready for week one. You know, all obviously, if you're a Giants fan, you had a scare about this. If you're a fantasy guy, you you wanted to bump him a little bit downward. And at the same time, people were raving about uh, Hakeem Nix, who caught two passes for 40 yards and limited work. But, you know, when I saw it, it was almost like opposite day. It was it was Hakeem Nix. Yeah, he caught two passes for for 40 yards, 20 yard average. That's great. He looked like he was dragging his foot still. He looked like he was dragging his leg. When I watched it, I agree. He didn't look as crisp. And I mean, he made like you said, he made a couple big plays down the field, but it it. And that to me know. is a bigger concern. Like, you know, the Victor Cruz thing is a minor injury, it appears. It always appears, right? It's a minor injury, and he's going to be ready for week one, and he's going to be a part of that offense because he's always a part of that offense. You know, and they gave him the, and they gave him the contract. You know, Hakeem Nix is a guy who they have been hesitant to extend because of his injury problems, and to me it's much more alarming that a guy who's constantly hurt is dragging his leg around in yeah. a preseason game. It's in- Ron, did you have did you have a Jeff Garcia reference when he didn't uh, he doesn't look real crisp? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, and you know Hakeem next. I mean, he's a he is the red zone threat there too. So I mean, they, he he's just so frustrating because I mean his value is. You're going to be tempted by his value in the 2013 draft in a 12 team league. He's probably going to be available in the end of the fifth, the sixth round, and he's going yeah. to look at you. you're going to look at him. And you're going to go, "Why not that guy for my wide receiver number two? He looks awesome." And then you're going, yeah. <laughs> and then if you're like me and Ron, who've drafted him in the past, you're going to have a flashback years, of having that same conversation at some point, and it's just not working out for you. I love the guy's talent. I think he's the most talented player on that football team uh, at the skill positions, and yet I just. I can't see him playing 16 games. All right, I got, I got, I, I'm reading something from the New York Star Ledger about Hakeem Nix, and it's, 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 it's pretty good. It says Nix has hyperextended knees, a concussion, bruised ribs, groin tightness, a left foot sprain, a hip flexor, a broken big toe on his right foot, six hamstring strains since being drafted in 2009. Damn, yeah, that's impressive. And- Although I have some groin tightness from time to time myself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah, we all? But, I mean. I just think if you're tempted to draft Knicks and he's there, make sure the rest of your team is relatively healthy because there's a very good possibility that he's not going to play all the games. Or at least the rest of your wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, wide receivers, exactly. But um, just be cognizant that he probably will get injured. He probably won't play the whole season. So if you are going to draft him, high upside, but also 
boomer bust kind of potential. And I don't really love Victor Cruz, the player, but if this injury in any way causes him to slip by the mid-third round, then I would draft him. I don't think it will. It shouldn't affect his draft status dramatically. You should still be going off the board in the third round, but I would take him if he's there. Um, moving on to the other wide receiver combination that we want to talk about is uh, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, Jordy's practicing, and yeah, sort kind of. of. <laughs> yeah, I think he's doing drills. I don't know if he's actually out there yet. I mean, he's been hurt last year. I mean, in 2011, had a monster season. It's crazy. It was a crazy season. And he caught, I don't even know how many touchdowns. In the teens, 15. I think it was 15 to 17 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he had a monster year. Yeah, it was 15 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. Right. And then, you know, last year he really fell off because he was injured and, you know. Aaron Rodgers hung him out to dry. I watched a lot of those games. Terrible passes. And Randall Cobb, who was absolutely huge this offseason. I mean, people were thinking this guy's a number one receiver. He's going to catch 90 balls, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. I don't. I don't believe in him at all. Uh, see, I, I do believe in him, but the fact that he's injured now. He reminds me a lot of a Percy Harvin situation right down to the injuries. Yeah. They're going to use it. The, the reason that people fell in love with him is because you can use him in so many situations. And in PPR leagues, dude's probably going to go off. Oh, yeah. Um, but he Fighting na- health. Yeah. But now he has a bicep injury. Now he's going to play with that injury, but he's going to play with that injury all year. And for. Yeah. For a wide receiver to have a bicep injury, I gotta think it's more important than a lineman having a bicep injury. It's gotta, it's gotta be painful almost every time he goes to catch a football. So yeah, I mean, I don't know the extent of it. Or how even bad if, it if is. you're, you know, if you're gonna do, if they're, you know, defense is doing like a press coverage or something, trying to get off blocks and trying to get, you know, yeah. off the defense. I mean, he's quoted like as that. saying I mean, it's gonna last him all season. So I because he's not a he's not a big player. No, he's not. not. He's he's, a, he's like five eleven, right? Like yeah, two hundred like pounds. Yeah. Yeah, he's not like a James Jones where he's you know a big physical wide right receiver. So I was already kind of like Tim, I guess. I was already down on him before the injury, and only down on him in the sense that I thought his his draft value was over overrated. So, so combine that with the injury, right, we would I, say he is a not a good value to where his average draft position. If you can is. get him in the sixth or seventh, I would take him in the sixth but or seventh. No but he's not going to last. He will not last there. Awesome. Absolutely not. Um, no. Jordy Nelson, however, I think will be there and probably will excellent provide value. good value. Probably excellent value. Yes. If you walk away with him as your number two, which is completely reasonable. I mean, number two, solid. Number three, awesome. Yep. You know, and that just it depends on how you, like we've talked about before, and if you listen to our strategy podcast, this depends on, you know, how your draft falls and how you want to build your team. You know, two, uh, you know, I know we haven't talked to him, but, uh, you know, James Jones. You know, I know we're talking about injuries, but I just think that, uh, you know, Given the injuries to Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, I think that he would be a, a good, uh, like a late round flyer. And, because, and you know I mean, what? He caught, guy caught 14 touchdowns. I was going to say, so. he's probably the most undervalued 14 touchdown guy in the around right NFL. now. Yeah. yeah, because people well, remember when he drops well, the football. Right. And he, he had a great year last year. I mean, I think I don't think, what do you have, 800, 900 yards and 14 touchdowns, somewhere around there? I don't have the almost, exact yeah, stats in front of me. Almost 800 yards. But yeah. I, th- I think, you know, uh, from doing some mocks and looking at his ADP, though, it, ha- it has been steadily on the rise since the Jordy Nelson injury that kind of put him on the map. And uh, I don't know if you get great value with him. You probably get appropriate value with him right now. So yeah. I mean, it depends on... Yeah, like like you said, how you're drawing. What league you're yeah, in, and who's yeah. playing with you? But yeah, I've I've seen his. It's he's definitely got. He's the he's the big winner from the Nelson Cobb problems. And you know, I think he has less value in a PPR league if you did want to do because he doesn't catch a ton of passes. He just catches big passes. 
Um, a couple of running backs. I want to hit on quick. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on them. Ton, a ton of time on them. Ton is, of time. Alliteration. It's incredible. Um, Ahmad Bradshaw, Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think uh, one thing with him, uh, Delone Carter being traded, I think it definitely helps him. I don't think much because Delone Carter is kind of a turd anyway. You know, he's kind of a reason. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to make the team. I mean, helps him, but it helps him a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I really want this is a guy, and maybe he does suit up before the preseason's over. I think he's supposed to play maybe in their third game, which will be this weekend. Uh, this is a guy I really wanted to see. Uh, to see what he has left. Because <laughs> he, I mean, when he runs, he runs hard. He runs off. I mean, I really like the guys that run. I like watching him. He's, you know, he's only 200 pounds, but he runs like he's 230. You know what I mean? Yeah. When he's healthy and his foot's right. And... I just don't think you can you can plan on drafting him as an RB2 unless we see him healthy in the preseason. And I don't know that we're going to see that. I... I, I stay away from him. Honestly, there's enough other running backs I would take before this guy as a second running back. I mean, if he's my RB3, yeah. But uh, I can't count on that guy as an RB2. I'm sorry. I, 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 I... Yeah, I don't think so either. Do you think he would start over Vic Ballard? Not that Vic Ballard was anything great. No, Vic Ballard had a pretty nice season. I they know. will start him over Vic Ballard, I think, only because he's going to be better for them when they need him in pass protection. Yeah, I was just going to say pass pro is really where Ahmad Bradshaw is a great blocker. But then again, yeah. I, I, if I'm a Club betting foot. man, he's not making 16 games, so... Clubfoot Bradshaw. Clubfoot. <laughs> Clubfoot. You know, I, I have some respect for the guy, but I, I just can't draft him unless I see him healthy, and I don't think he's going to show me that. Yeah, so. I mean, there's just – in where you're drafting him, I think there's other options. Um, another guy, same Jay kind Stu. of boat, Jay, Jay Stu, Jonathan Jay Stewart Stu. in Carolina, which – how you intelligent know. did the Panthers look given those contracts to, to oh, D. Willie and Jace do? I mean, D. Do, do, Willie, I like the guy <laughs> as a player, but he's. Yeah. See, to uh, me, what he's... are you going to do with him? I mean, Jonathan Stewart's perpetually injured. I mean, even when he plays, he plays well, and he's a good player. He's a big guy, he has speed. He's just not consistent. He's, no, he's always dark. hurt, you know, and they don't run the ball enough there, which is inexplicable. They give these running backs all this money, and then you don't give them the ball. Yeah, I mean, D'Angelo yeah. Williams gets like eight carries a game now or whatever, and you paid him $50 million yeah, and non-guaranteed or whatever. I, and the thing for me is I think the real story about Jonathan Stewart is D. Willie. Is D. Willie now draftable because he doesn't have to worry about those touches? And my answer is I don't think so because I don't. Cam, Vultures, Cam Newton vultures too many of those red zone runs way yeah. too many of them and you know you have mike tolbert there too who i mean mike tolbert. They what, a great, what a great <laughs> i mean like paid all these guys. a lot of money it's just insane it, it like personally unless i'm drafting them in the teens i'm not drafting the carolina backfield at all i would i would consider i think that might be a little overreaction because the running back pool does get thin after i think i, I think i would consider drafting d willie in the ninth and not really feeling that bad about it when you compare d'angelo williams to guys who are available in the ninth like of 12 uh, team drafts like Mark Ingram but the thing and is, players as as, of that nature. Right, but as soon as Jonathan Stewart comes back, he's starting. Maybe. <laughs> and how long is he starting for? Another two games before he goes down with an ankle uh, injury? Well, I, I just don't like any of them. So, to be honest, both of those guys would be, you know, you know a value feel. pick. If I, it's a good value, I take them. But, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, there's no way I'm targeting these guys at all. Because I think, just not worth it. A couple receivers, big big time ones, and, and these are guys that are hurt with major injuries, and they could come back for the last five games. Your playoff run is uh, Michael Crabtree and Percy Harvin. Um, both different injuries, both serious. 
Crabtree is more serious. Um, are they draftable? I, I I don't think so. I don't think so either. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because even if you're holding a spot for them as your wide receiver five, I don't think that these guys are going to be able to be themselves this season. Yeah, they come back in week 10 or week 11 or whatever. But your fantasy season, most of them are, you know, if you're in the playoffs even, is only going to be 16 weeks. they got to get two weeks to get up to speed, so you maybe get them for three or four games, and who knows how they worked into the offense. See, the one thing I would say about Harvin is Harvin might have the less, quote-unquote, serious injury of the two, but he has no rapport with Russell Wilson and that offense, yeah. really. They haven't really – they might have packaged him in, but they don't really have the experience running together. Crabtree has a slight advantage in that situation in the fact that he was the – go-to guy, you know, security blanket for Kaepernick, but I don't I don't see either one of these guys coming back with anything that's that's relevant in terms of, I mean maybe not, not maybe get lucky. Relevant, maybe get right. maybe get lucky no. and they give you one game, but in a playoff situation in fantasy where it's one one game do or die, are, are you, you gonna, gonna have confidence? That? Are you gonna start that guy? No way. I mean Tim, no way. do you draft either uh, of these guys? I don't think so, right? Uh, I would I wouldn't. I, it's just you know uh, just God uh, the the Harbin injury kind of worries me, just being his hip. And the explosion and the uh, kind of the shiftiness that he has, that kind of worries me. And, you know, uh, maybe next year. This year, I don't think it – I mean, like Mike said, you know, you, you know, he comes back. He gives you, you know, two games to get up to speed. And then you give it three, four weeks. But would you start him over, say, if you have someone like a, like a Vincent Jackson? Or, I mean, uh, no. I mean, I guess if you're, you're, you're decimated by injuries, you don't have a choice. You know, maybe you, you'd want to pick him up. But yeah, see, he's maybe, a, yeah. May, but not as I wouldn't draft him. right. He's a waiver monitor yeah. because if your de- if your team is decimated by injuries at that point, that means you've needed that roster spot that that guy's been holding for ten weeks for somebody else. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, I that's mean, the only reason. If you have a really deep draft, maybe, but I mean, I, I'm I I feel like that's those these guys are picks. We were kind of talking about it on the draft strategy podcast. These guys are picks that make you sound smart to everybody else in the room, like you remembered these guys are on the team. But I think at the end of the year, it doesn't really pan out for you. Yeah, I mean, maybe on Harvin, if you're really, you know, even then, I don't know. I mean, you maybe take a flyer on him the last round of your draft, hope for the best, and if injuries strike your team, you just cut him, and it's no big deal. But, I mean, Achilles worries the heck out of me. It usually takes a long time to come back from it, and, you know, even if you're back, it usually takes a year to I might, really be back. So I might play with that strategy. Let some other dope draft him, get tired of waiting for him to to, to come back, cut him, and then if you really need him those last weeks, pick yeah, him up. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And uh, two Pittsburgh Steelers, big tight end, Heath Miller. Man, what an underrated player. He's never oh. spectacular, but he's always solid. Tim's owned him. Tim, speak to was, speak to how valuable he, he was last year in the beginning. Of he the year. was he was fantastic. I, I I always liked Heath Miller. Um, you know when he was under Bruce Arians, they kind of shied away from the the uh, tight end. And since they've had the uh, new offense coordinator, he's Todd Haley, yeah. Todd Haley, it's certainly helped him. I mean, he did a lot when he was out there in um. In Kansas City too, with uh, Tony Moyaki. Moyaki, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, he made made that guy have a great rookie season. Yeah. So, um, I I like him. I think he, I think you get great value with him, even though he is hurt. I mean, you get even better value with him, right? Because he was kind of an underrated tight end in the, in you know in the first place, and then he has that injury. Um, I you know, you know, I wouldn't draft him as my number one tight no, end. No, no, not at all. Um, 
But if you have a if you have a solid number one tight end, I mean, you draft oh, this guy late, and I am all about this guy because of the reasons that Tim's talking about is that people seem to just forget about him because he's a complete tight end and he blocks. People kind of assume that that's what he does, but he is he catches, a huge I mean, for red a tight end, zone. He catches quite a few touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. The last couple of years under Arians, he really didn't, but you know. Eight touchdowns last year, 800 yards, and 71 he's, catches. I mean, that's... His injury seems better than initially diagnosed. I think he misses one to two weeks at the most, and maybe he's fully healthy by, like, the fourth game of the season, the third, fourth game of the season. If that's true, with the tight end position as a whole being decimated with guys like Gronk and, you know, Keller and all these guys trying to find their, you know, their way and other tight ends getting older, you can't really put a value on his touchdowns. And if you're going to have him... You can draft him in the 12th round or later, probably, in most of your drafts. you got to target this guy as far as I'm concerned. If you have any but questions definitely have, But definitely, if you're going to draft him, definitely have a, a solid tight end in front of him. I wouldn't go like a, a Gronkowski and then a Heath Miller. <laughs> no, no, and, for, and that's just part of your overall strategy. But, I mean, I think, I mean, I think if you have a top tier, probably top eight tight end. Hell, I'd pair him with Jared Cook, and I'd feel perfectly fine about that. Yeah. Yeah, really? I could I could see that. I mean, one I don't for, know one I, one for upside and one for veteran stability. That's how I, I would just whatever. <laughs> you know, as long as I don't have the same bye week. I didn't look at my sheets, Tim. I don't know if I have the <laughs> I don't know if those two teams have the same bye week or not. But. And then uh, the latter last one, uh, other Pittsburgh Steeler, Le'Veon Bell, running back. Um, that whole running back situation is really weird. You got Rod Stevens howling behind him, who's going to make the team because he's a totally different back than the rest of the guys that have. They have Isaac Redman, who's been a, you know, undrafted free agent holdover for, you know, about three or four years now. And then you have Jonathan Dwyer who slimmed down and, you know, is fighting for a roster spot. Yes. seems like all those guys are going to make the team now that bell has is hurt. I mean, it's a list Frank injury. It doesn't require surgery. The word list Frank really scares me. I mean, it bothers what, me more than I, more than it bothers you with your back. I mean, we had a, a friend who had that, and he was out. I mean, when when Bob got hurt, I mean, he almost broke his foot, and he had the same thing. He hurt his list Frank, but he didn't need surgery, and he was out for two months, three months. I mean, I yeah. know he's not a professional athlete, but <laughs> don't I mean, let Bob hear you say that. No, but you know. You know, he, he was he was hurt for a while, and you know I know obviously this you know pro athletes rehab all the time, and you know they have the best care ever, and you know you can shorten that time, but still, I yeah, mean, but, well, okay, let's take this into perspective. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, I think he hurt his after uh, what was it week four, and he was out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean that's so. I mean that that bears watching. You have yeah. uh, San Antonio Holmes. Yes, I did say his name wrong. <laughs> had the list frank and he's you know it's 11 months later i mean granted he's a big puss but you know yeah i think i think with with, was so disappointing with him with bell was that he you don't want to see a guy whose game is predicated on like his toughness which is kind of what bells is i mean he's fast enough but he's not a he's not a speed guy he's he's supposed to be the new pittsburgh inside power runner and the guy has four carries in preseason coming off a, a minor knee injury he was already hurt. People forget that coming into that game. He was coming off of a minor knee injury. And he's four plays in. He moves one pile, and he's out again. And and yeah. you hate to put the tag on a guy this early in his career, but, I mean, it's buyer beware with him as far as I'm concerned. I You know, he was a above-average talent in a really great fantasy situation. If he doesn't win that job this year, uh, Pittsburgh could just as easily decide to go in a different direction next year, and he's off the fantasy radar map. I know it sounds crazy, it's severe for a thing that doesn't require surgery or whatever, but his fantasy future is really in jeopardy right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I can almost compare him to a, say like a Beanie Wells. 
that had problems with his uh, knee and yeah. his foot. I, I mean, mean, I think it's a little early to, you know, poo-poo his career. But still, I mean, what Forty says, with all the other backs there that have a tenuous, you know, job, I mean, Dwyer could be cut at any time. You know, I mean, obviously these guys are going to make the roster, but Stevens Howling, Redmond, and, and Dwyer aren't tremendous players. And I could see all three of those guys being gone next year. They might clean house. They might clean house or signing one. And, you know, he's part of a timeshare now. You know what I mean? So, or he becomes like the next Montario Hardesty or something where he's just backing up a better back or something. Yeah. I mean, you never know. And then, you know, it's, it's a little early to say that, but, um, you know, it's definitely something to bear in mind. I don't think he's very draftable at this point. I mean, maybe at the end, you know, but in a redraft league, he's been going about, you know, before this injury, he was going about the seventh round, sixth round. I think after this injury, if you want to take a speculative chance that he might help you, he's a little better ad than, say, a Crabtree or a Harvin just because of the position he plays and that the injury shouldn't keep him out that long, but it might. <laughs> um, I mean, 10th round pick is fine for me to take a gamble it's on too, him. too early for me. I mean, I'm thinking too teens. Early, yeah. I'm thinking teens, and if he's not there, I don't care. I don't know. I, I, I might I take it. I, I don't think – I, I wouldn't take him. I mean, it's just – one, he's a rookie. Two, he hasn't played a whole lot in the preseason, and he sure isn't anymore. I mean, I think I would pick Dwyer higher than than him. Obviously, in Dynasty, you're going to see that Bell's going to go high. Yeah, I, I mean – he's going to drop much just because he has that potential to be a, a back, just the you know his, the way he was drafted in the, in the second round. But I uh, but I mean that twenty that for for his twenty thirteen value, I might take the chance if I've done my steady yeah. Eddie running backs first, just because right. he's going to be when he gets the they're going to see what they have in him when I, he comes I, back, I and that. he is on a very prolific rushing team. You know, I, I think ten to twelve. You're right. I think now that I'm thinking about it a little more. Maybe ten to twelve. I mean, is, maybe you take Dwyer and him round after round. I mean, Dwyer, back, Dwyer yeah. will be a, a nice ad as well for the for the period of time that's why I just don't think you can give up on that. That job is so good that like, yeah, he might not be the best talent. He might be a little hurt, but there's nothing wrong for me personally with going as early as 10th to kind of like be like, ah, oh, maybe we'll catch fire. And in most of your leagues, to be honest with you, he'll probably be gone by the 10th round still, even with the news of this injury, he'll probably be going in the eighth round. Okay. And um, with that, let's move on to our second segment of this podcast. Um, rookie discussion. Um, rookie fever. Oh man. What do you do? Redraft league. You got rookies. You have the three Bs. You got Bell, who we just talked about. Monte Ball up in Denver, who can't pass protect and gets Peyton Manning clobbered. And then you have Giovanni Bernard, who is look in line to get significant carries up in uh, Cincinnati behind uh, BJE. Um, what do you guys think of the three Bs so far? I mean, obviously we kind of just spilled what we had with Bell, but what do you think of uh, Monte Ball in Denver? With uh, you know, basically he's battling right now uh, Ronnie Hillman and uh, Noshan Marino for uh, carries there. I think this the that that position battle, which traditionally in Denver would have you salivating over the fact that oh, we're going to have a runner, we're going to have John Fox offense. I. I, if I'm if I can in, in in redraft leagues, I'm avoiding this situation. And again, I always go with the value or whatever. But I am staying the hell out of this one if I can. Ronnie Hillman would, to me doesn't look like a full time NFL running back, but he's the most experienced in the sense that he does an okay job in pass protection. Not so great hanging on to the football. You got you've got Ball, who I think is uh, kind of an overblown producer at Wisconsin. They tend to inflate the value of their running backs. 
Uh, he gets like a monster TD touchdown total. And from what I've don't, seen, don't Ron Dane him though. I'm not Ron Daning him <laughs> automatically. I am saying though that his his numbers are inflated. He's not that that kind of running back. His he you know in the two preseason games I've watched, he hasn't really yeah, shown Maurice me anything crazy. Yeah, and I'm not going to Maurice Claret him either. But uh, I just think that he's not very impressive. He's an average guy, and in that situation. I think the, I think the writing's on the wall in Denver. I think it's Peyton Manning's offense. I think uh, the running is going to be only ancillary to the passing game, and as a result, I don't know that whoever quote unquote leads this committee is going to be worth a, an RB two. Uh, they might all be RB threes or all be yeah. RB fours. I think I that's know. very possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's about right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to think by the end of the year, one will shake free and one will be the starter. But as of now, I don't think you could project that and selecting any one of them is, is kind of a crapshoot. So I just think where, I mean, I don't even know where you draft these guys. I'm thinking probably where we're talking about Bell between the 10, 12, 9, 8, between 8 and 12, somewhere in there. Yeah, and, and I mean, Ronnie Hillman, I've seen gone. Uh, Going as high as the six, just because he's the he's a starter in name only right now. Ball is is about the same. I mean, they're going w- within a half a round of each other. Yeah, they're very close. I know, and, and I don't know if six is too high for me. I'm thinking yeah. eight, eight to ten is probably where you get good value, but that probably won't happen. So, I mean, if you really love the situation, go for it. But I could see I it where you have like. You know, two six hundred yard rushers and then a three hundred yard rusher in Moreno, and it's just kind of running back by committee, and no one really takes hold of it. And I could see that happening. I mean, if one of the guys gets the goal line carries like Ball because he's a little bigger. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously he's a you know he's the guy. But aside from that, I mean, I, I think that's. I mean, Tim, do you have anything to add on the uh, Denver situation? No, I just I don't like that situation. I think they're all kind of poo poo. I mean, no Sean Moreno. I mean. He gets hurt, and he even when he was healthy, he was never that dynamic. He's kind of a good pass catcher. Ronnie Hillman still hasn't showed much. Um, and then Ball. I mean, I love Ball coming out of college. I was extremely high on him. I thought he could be an awesome player. But going into, I. I, I mean, they did draft know. him in the second yeah, round, so obviously they've, they've you know they like him. I mean, he's got, I mean, he's got, I mean, he's got that pedigree, but at the same time, if you can't pass protect in a Peyton Manning offense, that's definitely going to hurt your. From a dynasty you know, standpoint, your, he's still valuable. It's just that. Oh, absolutely. I would. I mean, he's he'd be a potential first pick, second. He's pick. in that conversation. I mean, the, the bell the bell injury, you know, it, it affects your redrafts for sure, but it also affects obviously your dynasty because Bell's situation was in the top three running backs as well. And then, the, you know, the other guy that we we're talking about with Bernard is, I mean, <laughs> I know, 40 I'm on record with this guy. The Brown brothers yeah. are, are high on this guy. I am not high on this guy. I don't, I don't want to turn it into a bashing session or anything because I may very well will. turn out to be wrong. But <laughs> I see this guy as like, he's like the ultimate tweener. Uh, he's, his size is tweener. His skill set is tweener. He doesn't run particularly hard. He's not particularly fast when you compare him to other guys. I just uh, see. I think he has great speed. See, I, I see I this guy possibly Reggie Bush. Oh no way! Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> not not this year necessarily, but I mean, if you were thinking dynasty, I mean, I, I think that guy has the potential. I mean, not and Reggie Bush hasn't been you know lighting up the league, but he's a very effective back. I mean, I think if they use him correctly on screens and you know on third downs and you know giving BJ blow getting you know. Close to 200 carries, 100 maybe 200 touches total, 50 catches, 150 rushing. I think he could be effective. I don't know if he's great RB three, 
He's probably not. He's probably a four. His three. ADP is yeah. uh, is sixth or seventh round, right? Yeah. Which is borderline RB2 territory, depending on how you stack right. the team. And, and, and I, that's I, just, what I'm I, don't think, I don't think he's good enough to be an RB2, though. I, uh, just not, not with Ben Jarvis there. I mean, I'm not a big Ben Jarvis guy, but I mean, and I think Bernard either, could but, take his job at the end of the season. I mean, I don't think that's out of the question, but. But he certainly won't get the goal. I mean, you'll get BJE getting a. Um, yeah, he'll get the goal. Yeah, the carries and stuff like that. You're absolutely so, right I on mean, that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, from a dynasty perspective, because the class is so thin this year, let's not forget how terrible <laughs> this rookie class really was for skill position players. That's the other thing that kind of gets lost in the rookie fever is, you know, if you're in a dynasty league like Ron and Tim and I are, and you mostly draft rookie players because they're the only guys you have a chance to draft, or if you're in a really deep keeper league where guys keep a lot of your team, uh, these rookies tend to get like, we all, oh man, look how they look in their shiny new uniforms and like they were drafted in the second round or whatever. We forget that this class as a whole, this rookie class as a whole, did not have great skill position players. So when you're talking about Geo possibly being the third or the second or even the first best running back out of this class, what are you really saying compared to value to other players in the league? And it's more apparent in redraft situations because you are comparing them directly against other guys in the league. Yeah, but. I mean... I agree with that, but I also have, you have to look at the situation they're in, and if they're in a good situation and they do take hold of a job, talent kind of goes out the window. And if they're going to produce for the next three years, I'm willing to take a guy who's only going to produce for three years in dynasty because everything is pretty tenuous in dynasty. I mean, the odds are you getting a slam dunk guy, or you know, it's high. I mean, it's they're not high. Well, we're going to talk if we're going to talk situational. I mean that's that's valuable, but if you if you don't have the talent to hold on to that situation, that's a whole other problem. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, if you get if you get the job, you have to produce, and you know, I mean, that, that's in any line of work. I mean, not my job. But some guy, <laughs> but some guy who <laughs> I spent all day preparing for this podcast. I think one guy who will produce and, and and play really well, especially because of the situation he's in, and you know, his pedigree is uh, Lacey up in Green Bay. I mean. I think he. I Jonathan think this Franklin is the guy. has not shown anything. Like. James Starks has not shown anything. I mean, you got him and Dewan Harris up there, and I like Dewan Harris, but Eddie Lacy, he's a man. He's a big boy. It's fascinating to me how the we we talk about these these college players all the time, and how the narrative changes from the you know their college years to the combine to the draft to the, the early you know uh, walkthroughs and stuff into the preseason, and then boom, regular season. This guy is my pick for your top rookie producer. This season is Edward is Ed Lazy. He, he is will, the number one dynasty. Especially, player. it's not even close. Absolutely. It's not even close I now that Bell now that Bell has gone down for a certain amount of time. It, 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 Ed Lazy should be a slam dunk number one rookie producer. If you're looking for a rookie running back this year, He's either in redraft or He's in keeper dynasty, keeper dynasty, yeah, it's 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 him. Just because they're in a high powered offense, he is going to run. He showed me in the preseason games. He had a nice little nifty spin move on the one. He played only played one game so far. He had eight carries for 40 yards. He caught a pass for like 11 yards. But on that pass, he had a, like a Madden-esque spin move, which, you know, all through camp we're hearing how this guy, he doesn't really have a love for the game. Like he's, he's eating little, too much McDonald's. Yeah, he has a love for cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> he's, not, he's not as agile. He has a bad toe. All this press, all this negative press that came out after he was drafted for months. And then he gets on the football field, and all this guy does is average five yards yeah. of carry with a line that is not to be gracious, not a great run blocking line. And he and he showed her that he could be involved in the passing game, which to me increases huge his marks, value yes. in, in PPR and in redraft. And you know, if you didn't see it, just go watch the highlights. Go on NFL.com, look up the highlights for Eddie Lacy and he looked good. I mean, you know, somebody lit a fire under his bulbous butt. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I think, I mean, he, he's the guy. I mean, I think it's a consensus number one rookie. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in I don't dynasty see anybody... or redraft. I agree. I would be. I would. I would say if I had a if I had to rate the you know the running backs between Bernard, Lacey, Ball, and Bell, I would say Lacey, Bernard, Ball, and Bell. Yeah, for those four, I would agree. Um, yeah. Now let's talk to the wide receivers. Some of them, some of the higher drafted wide receivers. I mean, we have um, obviously Tavon Austin in uh, St. Louis, who is going to figure and catch a lot of balls. We have um, Hopkins, who is concussed currently in uh, Houston who is, you know, who supposedly has looked very good. I mean, from what I've seen of his games, he's like, he's been impressive, especially some of the catches. He's Look, made. when the only knock that you can put on a wide receiver, and this was the only knock that I heard about Hopkins, was that his blocking needed a little bit of work. Yeah. You, you want that you guy from a fantasy. And then the other guy is Cordero Patterson in uh, Minnesota, who I thought, you know, going into the draft that he would, you know, the NFL draft, that he is very raw. And watching him, he looks pretty good. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if he's a polished, finished product yet, but his raw talent shows. I mean, you watch him on kick returns, you watch him, you know, just is out there. You can see he's a you know big, fast, fluid athlete. And then when the coach says we want to feed him the ball, my ears perk up. You know, I'm like, all right, this guy might catch 50 balls as a rookie, and that's something, especially in that offense. I mean, we talk about guys like like Tavon Austin to me is more valuable in a PPR. It doesn't mean he's going to be super valuable, but he's more valuable in a PPR to me uh, only because I think it's going to take a while that if I'm not high on Tavon Austin, I don't believe in his talent uh, translates into a, like a number one or a number two wide receiver in the future. So you would say he, even though he has the same frame as Deshaun Jackson, who I'm not a big fan of, he's probably a wide receiver too. <laughs> well, he's going to have the same inconsistencies as Deshaun right. Jackson for sure. Uh, I don't see, think I, he's I, as talented I, I as Deshaun think so. Jackson. I think, I think Austin will, will be a lot more consistent than a... Uh, than Deshaun Jackson. He reminds me of Dexter. Just because, McCluster. I mean, uh, who else do you have in St. Louis to really pass to? Well, I mean, so I, they, think I, I think they'll force feed him, and I think his rookie numbers will be somewhat uh, overinflated for you know kind of what he is. But I still, I still believe him as a, as a. I wouldn't say number one, maybe a number two. But I mean, I mean, I you know, like I don't care if they force him the ball. I mean, in in fantasy, just get get him the ball, get him catches. Well, I that's mean, what you want. I mean, well, in a PPR, would be, you know, over overdrafted. Right. Well, I think I think in 2013 his value is fairly low. Even even if you believe in him long term in dynasty, unless you're playing in a PPR and you think that he's going to catch 90 balls, I don't. I think he catches 60 or 50, 70 maybe. But you know, it it remains to be seen how he's going to translate long term. He's very controversial in his long term outlook. I don't think he's going to be very good in the long term. But he gets a slight boost this year because they're going to the Rams are going to like playing with their new toy. To your point, they're going to force it to him. So in PPRs. He's all right. He's not somebody I take before. Geez, I don't know, twelfth, thirteenth round. You know, there wow. are, there are more, there are more, there are uh, better guys. Not, I don't know. It's a little low, I think, for me. But I mean, I'm still not in love with the guy. I mean, I would take Hopkins in in a hot second, to be honest. You know, he's on the other side. Andre Johnson. He's going to see a lot of single coverage. He's tall. He caught, I think, eighteen touchdowns last year for Clemson. So he's obviously a red zone threat. DeAndre he Hopkins has giant is... hands. I mean, you look at his hands; he looks like a you know alien. Like his hands are huge, you know. And and for a wide receiver, that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think DeAndre Hopkins. We've all had this conversation before. Is probably if you're trying to balance out rookies uh, to take in a keeper league format, he's probably the safest of these guys to take. He'll probably have the longest career. He, he might have the you know he might not have the highest ceiling of these guys, but he's not going to be a total bust for you. Even Lacey. Uh, who we think is great and is, should be the number one rookie taken this year in redrafts, 
that value changes a little bit when you go to dynasty and you're thinking about how you're going to build your team in a keeper league format because DeAndre Hopkins might give you 10 great years. At least he might give you four. He might get hurt. You know, I, I don't know. But I, I would just say that he's probably the safest. Uh, he's clearly the safest of all the wide receivers for sure. And, and Patterson, I think, is the biggest boomer bust guy. I mean, you know, like I was saying, he might get catch 20 balls and he might catch 50. And, you know, it's in a weird situation with Christian Ponder. And I mean, I'm, how much are they going to throw the ball? Are they going to throw the ball enough to make that passing offense relevant? And I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's not much. There must not much there. I mean, I mean, you, you got, got Greg Jennings. You have you, lot, you know well, you Kyle Rudolph too. I mean, you got. I mean, Kyle Rudolph's your only, I think, honest to goodness, consistent weapon. I mean, Greg Jennings, you know, he's kind of coming off an injury. Um, Jerry is Jerry is right. I like him, but sure. he's not. He's not really fantasy relevant. I don't think. Uh, you know. I, I mean, mean I like him as an NFL I mean, come on. I mean, I think he, I think he'll definitely be a starter, but I think his production will only hinge on how Christian Ponder Ponder developed. Yeah, it, you know, I over agree. The off season. I think he's more of a keeper dynasty pick than in a, in a low end uh, redraft. Definitely. Um, a couple other guys I want to hit on just before we uh, get out of here with this one is um, some of the lower guys. Um, Tyler Eifert being the number one tight end. Him and Zach Ertz are probably the two top two, and maybe uh, Kelsey. Probably the three tight ends. I don't think you can count on any of them, to be honest no. with you. And I hate Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is another one of my no, don't draft guys under any circumstances. Uh, nah. I, just because that situation is terrible for him, too. He's behind a couple of talented dudes. and. Yeah. He's not really known as a, as a pass catcher. Eifert, to me, is, was interesting only because the Bengals were already on paper set at tight end with uh, Gresham, but they saw something in Eifert that they really liked. And in this league, as we've seen with the Gronkowski injury, and yet his draft position is still very high, if you can, you know, you have to kind of take lottery tickets sometimes on tight ends and hope they pay off because, you know, I'm not saying in a redraft league you're going to draft this guy. He probably goes undrafted in a redraft league or he goes very late. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe a tight end two or something like yeah, that. Yeah, very if, if you have if you have a solid, you know, number one. And and I mean, honestly, I mean, I think his value is greater for me in dynasty and keeper weeks because Gresham's contract is up this year. Absolutely. I mean, so, I think Tyler Eifert. You can make a case that Tyler Eifert is a top three or five pick in a in a dynasty league, depending on what your team needs are and what how you feel about Tyler Eifert. I think he's a talented guy. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I think I think you can I find tight ends other places for dynasty. For me personally, in dynasty, I mean, I, I wouldn't go. I mean, I have the fifth pick in our dynasty league draft, and you know, I, he's not even. I have the sixth pick in the or sixth, <laughs> but he's not even a consideration for me. Don't cut me off. Don't cut my pick off. Um, so, uh, Tim. No, uh, I think you know with um, Jay Gruden. You know, as the offensive coordinator, and I think and they're going to use a lot of two tight end sets, obviously, because they do have Gresham. But I think that uh, Eifert will be the kind of like the receiver between the two. That's how I see it. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, he's six six. I mean, I, I watched him. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I watched him. I mean, he was a, he's a dynamic. He was a lot, pretty much most of their offense there. Oh yeah, um, I mean, just a just a great receiver. I, I I think he'd be a fantastic pickup for a tight end too. You know. In, in, a, in a dynasty, I would, I think, possibly a second round pick, end of the first, depending on you know where your where your team's at. I'll tell you right now, if you get that guy in the second round of a dynasty league draft, you better go to the bank and cash that lottery yeah. ticket. Or let me into your is, dynasty league. <laughs> he should absolutely be a first round selection in a dynasty draft. Yeah. Um, you know, the other guy I like who we wouldn't really uh, put on our list, but is uh, is a, is a sleeper dynasty kind of guy is uh, Jason Kelsey. 
in Kansas City. I just like the situation, but uh, yeah, the, situ- the situation uh, is cool I there. Like and, and I like him, you know. I think yeah, I throw out a name like Vance McDonald. I think about that yeah, too, but his yeah. situation is terrible. So right, exactly. batting button heads on yeah. those guys. A um, couple other receivers. The two guys, um, actually, I really like that. I don't think redraft very high value, but I do like them in keeper dynasty a lot. Is Keenan Allen and Marcus Wheaton? I mean, Marcus Love Wheaton. Marcus Wheaton. Love Marcus yeah, Wheaton. Yeah, he's, he's you know he's he's fast and you know he he's in a good situation in Pittsburgh. He's I think he's competing for the number three job right now. And uh, Keenan Allen, you know, he, he's also in a decent situation because all the injuries in San Diego. But overall, that whole San Diego redraft situation was. is like ugh. I mean redraft. I don't think you can touch either. Of these yeah, guys. I mean in redraft, I would say no that, you know Marcus Wheaton is is on track to blow up because what will probably happen is even though I like Emmanuel Sanders' talent, what will probably happen to him is he will probably be let go when his contract expires, which is next year. <laughs> um, but. So Wheaton is kind of in that mold. He's kind of that speed guy, yeah. he's, but he's gritty. He's a gritty speed guy. He's going to catch the ball for you anywhere on the field. Uh, but you can't this year. Uh, you can't. I mean, you can draft him late, fourteenth, fifteenth round, if you want to take a speculative ad on the guy. Um, Allen is a more interesting situation. I was really high on Allen coming out of college, See, and like then and then his career kind of like took a turn. And unlike Ed Lacy, which had a lot of unsubstantiated uh, concerns, I, I think there are a few valid concerns with Keenan Allen at this point in his career. And the, like, the fact that like, like that, his, that offense is a mess right now doesn't help him out that's for 2013. The shambles, the situation is kind of in. I mean, I, I'm thinking that team could be like a four-win team this year. And, and not that, that four-win that's being nice. Yeah, <laughs> and, and not that four-win teams can't have good fantasy producers because that's not true at all. But I mean, you're going to have right now. I mean, Vincent Brown's the starter, and then that's it. I mean, you don't Allen. even know who the other starter is. <laughs> I mean, right Malcolm now. Floyd, if he gets healthy, Keenan Allen, if he stays. I mean, Keenan Allen's other issue is he is coming off an injury, so it's been tough to yeah. evaluate him. He doesn't that, look great that's to the only me. Thing. He, he's got good size. The only thing that bothers me is his uh, knees. His knees are some going pretty off, uh, Some of his off the field stuff. Uh, I don't care. But, I mean, another, I, another, yeah. but, an, but, a, but another th- thing, too, is that. San Diego offensive line is pretty bad. They kind of they helped it out in the draft just a little bit, but uh, just th- that whole situation is kind of poo poo. I don't know if I'd honestly touch Keenan Allen in a redraft. No, no, you can't. I don't no. think because here because no the way. issue is you don't you know there is a tough enough transition for a rookie wide receiver when he's on a team surrounded by talent. <laughs> when when he's not on a team that's surrounded by talent, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of healthy talent, anyways, to instruct him, uh, you can't. These guys are uh, going to be competing for. Th- third wide receiver jobs on passing teams that may or may not work out in 2013, but they're waiver guys at this point. Yeah, and and another guy, I mean, just, just to touch on it, who's kind of in the same situation as uh, Robert Woods up in Buffalo. I mean, you know, obviously productive in college, but you know, he doesn't have great speed. He has good size. I mean, but he's in Buffalo and you might have a rookie quarterback. So, you know, how, how do you, how do you gauge that? You don't, I mean, in, in a redraft league, I think in a dynasty league, obviously. I mean, just, just to know again, like we, we said at the draft strategies uh, podcast, if you like a guy, there's no harm in adding a guy like Robert Woods or Marcus Wheaton or Keenan Allen late. No, no there's no, no harm no, in that, but, no. but we're just voicing our opinion that we don't think they're going to be particularly productive. But if you have a different opinion, we no one could kill you for adding the these guys is, in the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth rounds. Yeah, and, and and that's fine. And you know, I mean, and I'm and I'm still gonna follow these guys if they're free agent because these Especially guys could be great pickups as free agents. I'm just saying, as high value in a redraft league, I don't think you can count on them as of now. And maybe you know, Keenan Allen catches fifty balls and goes for eight hundred yards and ten touchdowns. Who knows? But 
I mean, I, as of now, I think the you know it's, it's a little the, stacked it's about, against him. A little it's bit. about the future for those guys. Yeah. Um, last two guys I want to talk about for this segment are the two, you know, running backs who are immensely talented, but are in pretty bad situations for different reasons. Uh, Marcus Lattimore, obviously not going to play this year for injury reason. Um, yeah, everybody saw how terrible that knee injury was. You know, obviously he's coming back. Same injury Frank Gore had, ironically. And yeah. The other one is uh, Kristen Michael in Seattle, who immensely talented, but uh, he's in a bad situation because he's behind Robert Turbin and uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, we had this debate uh, a while ago where we we asked the question, you know, Marcus Lattimore, when he started his college football career, we thought this guy was going to be the next big back. Like, there's going to be AP. I thought yeah. this guy, I mean, I was looking at him in a dynasty format and trying to maneuver my team around three years in advance for this guy. Uh, but, you know, the first injury that he had was bad enough. You know, he just worked himself back from that. Then he gets another one. I can't ever see this guy being the same player, and that's my personal opinion. And people are going to have diverging opinions on that, and they can have speculation, yeah. whatever. But, the, but you I, see a thing, uh, you know, Frank Gore, oh. you know, had similar injuries. I mean, both. I mean, he. I think Frank Gore both had it's, both it's, his knees. But every guy is different. I mean, I don't know if yeah. he's Frank yeah, Gore I mean, or if he's, you know. Yeah. But every. I mean, it depends on where you're just going to draft him. I think. I mean, in in in, in a dynasty league. Which I, is all you can talk about with him for 2013 right, because he exactly. won't be available in redraft leagues. He's not going to play you're it gonna, down. You're gonna, uh, uh, Marcus Lattimore is going to be overdrafted in any dynasty league just because yeah. of his uh, possible potential. He's a home run. Ticket. Yeah, I mean, a second round is fine for me. I mean, if you're drafting in the first round, I think you're bypassing some other other guys yeah. that could help you in – in like Kristen Michael, I would take ahead of him, even though he probably, from what I read, I mean, I'm a Seahawks fan, so I'm pretty have some pretty good knowledge about it. When he makes the team, he might not even be active on game days unless he wins the kick returner job. Yeah. So if he doesn't win the kick returner job, he's probably not even going to be active because they are going to have five running backs on the roster. Michael is very interesting. The way that I heard him described was, you know, he he has an A plus body and a C plus C brain. On top of that, he's not completely injury-free himself. He doesn't have an injury-free college career. So he hasn't had anything the scale of a Lattimore. But when you combine his you know, questionable mental makeup with a very difficult depth chart in Seattle, uh, at least in the immediate future, even in the future future, I mean, Turbin is, is a great running back in his own right. Uh, there's nothing to say that Christine Michael ever even gets over that hump. So... You know, for 2013, he's off the radar for sure. Kristen Michael is not somebody you draft this year. In a redraft PPR like no. I mean... Unless, you unless got, you know, with Ron, <laughs> with Ron sitting here in his Seahawks cap, I don't want to jinx him, but unless Marshawn Lynch goes down very early in the season or before the season starts, he's not worth drafting. No, yeah, I mean, I think Turbin's the guy, and then, you know, and, and they have other guys there, too. I mean, Spencer, Spencer Ware, is, Ware. An, is an excellent looking back as well. And he's, he plays a little fullback, so, I mean, he's going to be the guy who's active because he plays special teams. He backs up Mike Robinson at fullback, and he can play running back. So, I mean, that's who's the guy who's actually going to be active on game day. In, in redrafts in leagues, spot. He's, he's off the charts. I don't think you can touch him, again, unless something changes. In a dynasty draft, to me, he represents the most wild swing of value I, I don't know where this guy goes. I could see the case making, uh, you know, you can make a case for drafting him in a rookie draft in the middle of the first round or at the top of the first round, even if you wanted to get a little crazy, If depending on how you feel about the first three or four depending running backs. Depending how desperate you are for a running back. Yeah, and depending on how you feel also, about the uh, the perceived talent of the top backs. 
So I mean, even 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 if you have good running backs, and then you you, you know you kind of look into the future as dynasty wise, you know you look how old your running backs are. Say okay, you know they're twenty eight now. Might want to look in the future. Say hey, two years, this guy might be starting. You know you pick him up and you know stash him away if you're you know if your league has um you know like a, ta- a taxi squad something like that practice squad. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think a that's a, so, I mean, it's a solid plan. You know, it's just it, it's assuming your team can afford to have that luxury. Both of, of these of guys, guy develop. yeah, both of these guys are potential three-year waits to find out what you have, and that's a long time in comparison. Yeah. And uh, I think that'll wrap up this injury rookie edition of our uh, podcast. We are the Art of Score. Injury, comma rookie, not injured rookie. rookie. <laughs> Although some of those crossed over. <laughs> they did cross over. Um, we're the Art of Score. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Art of Score. Uh, check out our website. It's artofscore.wordpress.com. And uh, like us on Facebook, because we're pretty awesome. Yeah. I'll send you a friend. Yeah, good looking. Don't reject me again. I can't take any more rejection. <laughs> Art of Score.